Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so let's get into Hebrews. All right, here we go. The book of Hebrews. Now, as we um, talk about this book, I need you to understand when you read this this week, uh, you've had some pretty light reading, wouldn't you say, for the last couple of weeks. Right, so get ready. This is Thanksgiving week, you know, while you're sitting on the couch and eat that turkey and that tryptophan kicks in, don't break out Hebrews and start catching up now. You're gonna, you ain't gonna make it. You're gonna say, what, what? What is that? Oh, the Lord, the priest had some pecan pie. What? And, and he went to the temple and had some ice cream. I don't get this. You're gonna start hallucinating from the tryptophan and Hebrews won't make sense to you. Don't do that. Just bite-sized portions. This book is not written to be digested once and say, okay, I got it. Hebrews is an Old Testament revelation of Christ and so much packed into this. Like I've got so much scripture I want to share, but I, there's no way I can get through all that I want to get to. So I'm going to give you the, the main concept of Hebrews if I can. Okay. So this idea of Hebrews, let me tell you a little bit about it first and then we'll get into it. Okay. First of all, um, who was the book of Hebrews written to? It's important to know a couple of these things, okay? So who was the book of Hebrews written to? The book of Hebrews was written to uh, predominantly Italy. We think somewhere in the, in the region of Italy, if you look on there. And um, if you look at the date here, around 60 to 90 AD. But mostly there were Jewish believers. You can tell by the context of the writing. It's very Jewish-based. It's Old Testament revelation. It was not written to Gentiles. A Gentile believer would have saw that and choked. Like, what? I mean, do you understand? Paul gave the Gentiles an axe. Listen, brother, we get it. Y'all, y- y'all so jacked up. We can't, y'all can't even have ten commandments. Like, they only gave them four. <laughs> Listen, stay faithful to your wife. Don't eat I- stuff sacrificed to idols. Don't drink the blood. And like, bro, man, let's just see if we can get that done first. Like, that's about it. I mean, they, they stopped right there with Gentiles. They were so carnal-filled. This, this book is so beautiful. If you don't understand the Old Testament, you will, I'm telling you, you will not understand this book. Because it is Christ, not just revealed, it is, it is so much deeper than just Christ revealed. It is Christ personally present in the past, present, and future, all wrapped up here in Hebrews. And it's based on Old Testament tabernacle worship. If you need to go back and read Exodus, go back and read about Moses and Exodus. It'll help you see Hebrews. But if you didn't read Exodus and you try to jump in here for your first time reading, if this is your start book, you just get, you need some time. Like, I'm just, I'm just forewarning you right now. It is, it's not deep because it's, you gotta be super smart. But God, it's spiritually revealed things and He's not gonna give you deep spiritual truths without giving you the foreground or the background or the foundation of what those truths are. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Okay, so written to, uh, mostly we think, in the area of Italy uh, in around 60 to 90 A.D. And let me show you all on a timeline about, so you can give an idea of this. Uh, this is about the time when Hebrews is written right in here. And you can see, here's James, the brother of Jesus, when he was martyred. Peter and Paul, they're martyred. So he he's... Pretty much, it, we, because we believe Paul, I believe personally that Paul wrote, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Therefore, you can look at this. If you believe that Paul was the author, 
if he died around 64 or 67, somewhere in there, you see that this was one of the, just a couple of years before his death, he's pretty much penned this book of Hebrews. And, and the reason I think um, it's Paul is because when you look at the context of the writing, there are certain indicators in there. And one in particular that I think because of the way he talks about Timothy, his beloved, or his in almost in a sonship way, it's very Paul. We call it Pauline epistles. Pauline in the writing. It sounds like Paul does. And but on the flip side, let me just tell you another logical reason why I believe it was Paul. The people that took and the 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 the, the Christian leadership, the ones that took the Bible and said, "Okay, all these different books of the Bible, we're going to assimilate them and we're going to get one canonized. We call it canonized Bible. That means that it's accepted, authorized, or it is." It has been it has been accepted as the truth. There's enough copies, enough proof, enough whatever. This we know is fact. I can't see those individuals going around and some guy just says, "Hey, hey, oh man, I found another book." Yeah, what was it? What I don't know, Hebrews or something. Why don't I stick it in there and see what people think? I, they didn't do that. They went through that and verified it and made sure that did it really fit? Did it was. I guarantee you they knew. We don't know, but I think they did. And I think I think it was Paul based on how it's written. Remember, Paul said, I am an Israelite. Remember, he said, are they Jews? Oh, listen, I am a Jew of a Jew. He said, are they Israelites? Oh, I am. Believe me. He, he went on not to brag, but he said, if you think they know about the Jewish culture and the Jewish history and how Jewish worship works, they're nothing compared. Let me just tell you, I am Paul the Apostle. I am an Israelite. I have Jewish background, teaching Pharisee. I know it all. When you read the book of Hebrews, it's all in there, right there. He, his writing, I believe. And the last thing I want to share about the Hebrews, about the book of Hebrews as we go into it just a little bit here, is this theme or the theme of what Hebrews is about so that you can uh, see this. That basically, this is the idea. I just, because there's so much in here, I'm not going to be able to get into it so deep. I want you to get this. That Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God and the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. When Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the Old Testament or the prophets. He said, I have come to fulfill. It's important to know that because if you buy into some Christian ideas today that think that, well, Old Testament is not important. It's irrelevant, and it's because it's old coven. I've actually heard people, and their heart was right. It was not intended to be uh, uh, um, taken the way it's taken, but this is the way people took it. It's like, well, if you read the Old Testament, it's, that was written to spiritually dead people. Well, because now that we're alive in Christ, as if, and so people took that and said, well, because we're alive in Christ, we don't need the Old Testament. Not true. I, I don't believe you can understand what you have in Christ if you don't understand what they had to go through in the Old Testament. You can't begin to understand blood sacrifice. The idea of the fact that the blood, why do we talk so much about the blood? Go read the Old Testament. You'll be like, Peta would have a, they would go bananas. They'd be having to resuscitate, resuscitate people if, they, if we did what they did in the Old Testament. Blood, I mean, it was everywhere because of the sin. And the idea that we today... Just because of Jesus and grace, and I'm, and thank God for His grace. 
But it should draw us closer to him and further from sin, not accepting sin and say, well, it doesn't matter because of the grace of God. It ought to say, I don't want to have anything to do with anything because of his grace. I want to be, I just want to be so close to Jesus. I'm so far away from that. I don't even pay attention to it anymore. Not making excuses for it, right? Because in the Old Testament, they could not make excuses for their sin. They had to have covering. So Old Testament was very, very important. So let me give you a couple of thoughts today about Hebrews. Okay. Again, I will not be able to get through all the scripture I want to, but I will, I will try to give you some references for you to read when you make notes of when you read this week. Okay. The first thing that you're going to see in Hebrews in the first kind of portion of what Paul is writing is this idea of the preeminence of Christ. I know it's a interesting word. It is a word we use basically from a theological standpoint, but it, it's important to understand this. Okay. It, the preeminence of Christ. That's what you're going to see. So here's a definition of the preeminence, or the word preeminence, if you will. It, and this is a noun, but it's the high status or importance owing to marked superiority. So first of all, this is important to understand because of God. Jesus and God. Jesus is not lower than. He's it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. It means to have an advantage or a benefit. It means resulting from some event or action. So again, think about this. He was the preeminent Christ before ever he was. And we'll get into some of that in a minute. But I mean, in the beginning, John writes about it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. And we beheld. I mean, he, he, this Jesus didn't start with some red letters. Before the world was formed, he was. You know, so, and it means to have an advantage, to be advantageous as a verb, it means to become appropriate for achieving a particular end. So he was before superior, an event or action. He became flesh, right? So he could do the work. What is the action? To become or a sacrifice to achieve this end for us. It's it's very important word, and this other word advantage means to have quality. It means the quality of having a superior or more favorable position. He has been exalted high above any other name that is named. No other name is greater than the name of Jesus. He now sits at the right hand of God, whoever intercedes for you and I. And he says that he sits there now and just looking around, he says, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. Like there is no, there is... The understanding of here, the preeminence of Christ, this is, and why I say this, I'm trying to be calm, be cool, but the preeminence of Christ is so important in our theology that you don't think baby Jesus showed up in a manger and that's why we worship at Christmas. <laughs> Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. You know, that right there is better than any turkey you're going to get this week. You know, when you think about all this stuff and you think, well, this is difficult and look at this and it's true. But guess what? Even before that was, he was here. He's seen it. He's not, he is not moved by anything. He's not confused by it. That's why we should draw close to him because he's already seen the condition of the human heart. He knows already what people can do and he's not confused one bit. So in Genesis 1-1, this is some proof of the preeminence of Christ real quick. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, what that just simply means is in the beginning doesn't mean a start date. We read that in our culture, in our language, we think beginning means start. With God, there is no start, there is no end. Before time existed, he was. 
when he looked down at the earth, it was formless and void. And the spirit hovered across the waters with nothing there. It is formless and void before the plant. We, we think we're so smart. We get telescopes and these beautiful little instruments now, and we think we can see so far out these galaxies. Oh, look at that. We have a new star. We're going to name it. And, and every couple of 20, 30 years, it, we advance in our telescopic you know, advancement, I guess, or whatever it is. And, oh, whoa. Wow, there's more out there than we thought. Yeah. Which makes sense, doesn't it? Why we listen to these guys that tell us like, you know, 40 billion years ago when a meteorite did this and that's why it became that. We bind all this garbage. They can't even tell you. They think they know how many stars we have and then they don't know. Like, come on, make up your mind. Is it 10 million or 20 million? Which is it? You're so smart. Come on. They don't know. The only one that knows is the one that formed and created it. And that's God. I'd rather trust in him than some of this other stuff. <clears throat> so in talking about Jesus, Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So he is the first one born again. You need to, you need to hear that he's the first one. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't John. The one that he, you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't any of these guys. They were running scared. Jesus was the first one born from the dead. He was dead, literally dead, in the grave, dead. Three days. He was dead. And God resurrected him. Why does that even matter? Because in the beginning was God, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God personally present in Christ Reconciling the world to himself. Jesus is as much God as God is the Father. He was dead and then he was resurrected. So that now when we are born again, understand he's the firstborn of many. So when you're getting saved, when you people get saved, when you're saved, when I came to Christ, to understand that, why is that so important? Because I didn't I didn't come to Christ based on emotion. I came to Christ based upon what he did for me. It's an important thing to understand, the preeminence of Christ. And so we get into this idea about who Jesus is. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, that means uh, in the Jewish culture they have portia readings or portion readings. We call it, we would say portion, but it's parsha. It's a, it's a reading. Still consistently today. They read every single, it's consistency. Why? To understand what God is saying. We bounce around all over the place. We get a word of the day or we get a, you know, a thing from our app, which is great. It's fine. It's fantastic. But, you know, if you just take one word out and stick it on something, that's good. But the context of that might make more sense, right? So God spoke in these different ways in verse 2. But in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. What does that mean? Through his word. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Man, this is beautiful. And when he had made purification of sins, watch this, this is Jesus. He sat down at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For 
This is what the scriptures say. Watch this. Verse 5, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, and today I have begotten you. I'm going to go back and read that again. He said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. This word begotten is very important. And we we say all the time, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. These are important because in, in our context today, in our culture today, I, I want you to hear very clearly what I'm saying. God the Father, God the Son. Very clear. This is not a, a neutral pronoun. This is not gender uh, neutral where you could go either way. It's like picking a color palette at Lowe's. We say, well, you know, we don't know. Boy or girl, we know which it's going to be, so we'll just go, you know, beige. It won't matter. We can adjust when they're born, you know. This is God being very specific. God is not female, contrary to some stupid song that someone wrote. Now, I will tell you this. He made both male and female. Therefore, he has attributes. So God is not, contrary to what most people think, God is spirit. Think about that for a moment. He is a spirit. He's not just sitting up there like some big guy, you know, muscled up like the rock or something, giving people looks. He's not, that's not God. God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. But he has this ability. He can create both male and female. He understands. So ladies, he understands you. And guys, you think that, you know, you have to understand this, that there's a reason why most time, not always, so I am very much being stereotypical when I say this, but most time women are much more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to the things of God than men are. But ladies, on the other side, men, most of the time, not always, but men are... Many times more willing to just, you know, take this and, okay, all right, I don't understand what that is, but I'm with you. You know, kind of thing. They're, they'll run through a door if they have to, whatever they got to do. Like, they, they don't mind. That's why guys do stupid stuff, like when they're younger. Like, hey, dude, check this out. And you wonder, why do guys do that? There's a makeup within them that says, I will take this ground. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean that a woman can't do it. It doesn't mean a man can't be sensitive to the spirit. So we can't get confused like culture today, but understand that God created both male and female. And it's important to know that because when he says, you're my begotten son, this is what the word begotten means. It means to be, to procreate of the father, but by extension of the mother. Now there is a message in this I don't have time to get into, but it is important. Daddies in the male gender, are important. Mamas in the female gender are important. And it takes both of these individuals to procreate. No matter the science or technology you want to do, I don't, we all know this, doesn't matter what somebody wants to say, yeah, but, 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 doesn't matter. I know enough about biology to know, right? We, you know, sixth grade health class was like, embarrassing to hear in school. But I figured out enough and listened to them and I said, okay, that and that makes that. It's pretty simple. Why is this so important? Why are you getting into this, Pastor? What's that have to do with the Hebrews? Well, it means to regenerate, to bear, to beget, to be born, to bring forth, to conceive, to be delivered of gender. Jesus is the Son of God. And to the Father, it means this, to become the male agent responsible for the conception of a child and its eventual entry into the world. Why is this even important? Why does it even matter? Because God gave Jesus as his one. 
not as his third, fourth, or fifth. He sold out all the way for every one of us. He, when he sacrificed Jesus, it was not something that was the easy thing to do. He gave up his one. He didn't have three or four to pick from. His one. Because he needed a, he needed a man to be holy. And he looked around and said, well, there's no man holy on the earth. Because why? Because the seed of man that's been passed down from Adam is contaminated all down through this lineage. And even the high priest that would go in before the Lord, you want to know why they got zapped sometimes? Because they're sin-filled. No matter how many things they did right, they're sinful. And God said, i got to have somebody else. So he looked and couldn't find anybody. He created this ability. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she, as a virgin, born the Christ child. This is so important about God because to understand, he was not born into the earth then. He was already then, long ago. It's just he came in human form for one specific purpose. To bear the burden of sin, to bear the burden of guilt and shame, and to deliver every one of us from unrighteousness. That was his sole purpose for coming. And that is it. And when you read Hebrews, all you will see, for the most part, is this idea of the preeminence of Christ coming and becoming the sacrifice for us. So a couple other thoughts. That's the longer version. I'm going to, these other two just won't take it a second. He's also the high priest. You're going to read this in the second part of Hebrews. He's the high priest. In Hebrews 5, 6, it says this. It says that just as he says in another passage, you are a priest forever after according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a, was a high priest in Salem. I'll read this to you in the verse. Not Salem, I said, <laughs> not, not here, okay? Don't get no wrong ideas. Salem is the word Jerusalem in, in the different contexts, but that's where he was. The interesting thing about Melchizedek, when you read him, you're going to see Jesus all in this. This is wild. But listen to this in Hebrews 7, 1 about Melchizedek. He said, he, he said, Jesus is just like this guy, Melchizedek. He said, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem or Jerusalem, priest of the most high God who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and he blessed him to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils who was first of all by the translation of his name king of righteousness and then also king of Salem or Jerusalem or Jerusalem which is king of peace which is where also comes this word shalom you've heard that before right so that's what he's talking about interesting thing about this this Melchizedek thing so when you give when we talk about tithe, I want to make this point right here. It would be great if Christians would get their minds off of giving to a church. I do not tithe to this church. I've been tithing since my uncle pretty much told me when I got my first job, you better tithe. I'm like, why would I do that? That is the, about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm getting paid $4 an hour. Y'all don't even know. If I was a student right now and I could work 14 to flip a burger, let me tell you, man, I'd be flipping some burgers. 14 an hour. I started making four. Four. That's a gallon of gas. That's crazy. Like, man, you know how many hours you have to work just to drive to go down for the weekend? Anyway, just a side note there. But I don't tithe to the church, but to Jesus. 
He is my high priest. This church is not my high priest. And this is important because whether or not, I don't know the future. I'm not, I'm not that, I can't see on the horizon that far. But if we as a nation go down the path like every other nation has gone after the gospel has been extended from coast to coast, you will have to do what I'm about to say next. You'll have to decide whether or not this means something to you or if it's just cultural Christianity. Every other nation heard the gospel. You understand Germany before Nazism took over was spiritually um, very much a spiritual nation that loved God. They were. If you ever read the writings of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you will see these men and women, they loved Jesus. But they allowed culturism to take over nationalism and they went a different direction. It happened very quickly. That's why God says, when you go into the land which I give you, when you have blessings that I have given you, please do not ever forget that it is the Lord thy God, not thy church, the Lord thy God that has made you wealthy. This church didn't make me wealthy. This church didn't bless me. This church isn't my source of success. Let me tell you something right now. It is Jesus Christ. When I, when I give, I am not given to help a preacher, a pastor, or a light bulb, or nothing else. I, yeah, we use it for all that stuff. Let me tell you something. I don't care if we have this or we had to meet out in the playground somewhere because they wouldn't let us meet as a nation. I don't care. I don't give to a building. I give to Jesus because he's the one that goes in before me and took his blood into the holy of holies. Not a temple made with hands here on this earth, but the one up in heaven that was contaminated because of the work of Satan. He went into the Holy of Holies with his own blood. You understand that? His own blood poured it out on the mercy seat of God up in heaven. And forever, forever, no matter how screwed up I get, no matter how many mistakes I make, no matter how many times I have to go before the Lord and say, I'm an idiot. And he says, I know it, son. That's why I saved your butt. No matter how many, for all time, once and for all, He poured out his blood on that mercy seat and all I've got to do is just enjoy the benefits of that sacrifice. So forever, I gladly give. If he wants 20%, I'll figure it out. If he wants 30, I guess we got to sell the farm. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever we got to do. If he wants it, it's his. Why? Because he redeemed me. This church didn't redeem me. We've met in every different building on this thing. This church didn't redeem me. It was a work of God's grace. So why is that so important? Because this last thing I want you to hear. In Hebrews, you're going to hear this in the end. Paul wants you to, he wants to encourage you to remain faithful. Now I'm going to read a verse of scripture to you and don't judge when I read this. That's the theme term today. In case you hadn't heard it or seen it on Facebook, don't judge me. Everybody will say, now don't judge. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Like it's like you know these things. It's just so funny. It's so popular. I said to Haley the other day. I was eating something. I was talking about eating cheeseburgers. She said something. I said, "Don't judge me." Like you know, <laughs> my doctor said I needed more protein, so I told her. I said, "That's cheeseburgers. I mean, that's cheese and beef. That's extra protein." I just I'm just following doctor's orders, baby. That's hey said it. You know, she didn't like that. I don't. She said I don't think that's what he meant. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, as we close with this idea of remain faithful, I, I, I really want you to get this because I do think this is what has happened and is going to happen more. So when I say don't judge, I really want you to hear my heart. This is not, so if you're watching online right now, this is not against you. There are some people at home medically that need to be at home. They, they are. 
I know some people think, well, not now. And I said, well, yeah, now. I mean, my mom just went through this stuff. You know, she's at home right now, recovering. Asked me last night how to use inhalers. I'm like, man, you listen to you right now. I know what the doc says, but if you can't breathe, I mean, I, you know, do what you got to do, man, you know. But some people, so this is not a judge for anybody at home right now. This is not for you to go, oh, this is that person. No, it's not. This is for us. Okay? This is for you as you hear this as an individual. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul says, Take care, brethren, that there be not in any one of you an evil or unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another. This is why, by the way, we do small groups. Because I'm preaching to you right now. And I'm going to do my best to encourage you, but you need people around you that will encourage you in your walk with Christ. He says, be it encourage one another day after day. That means every single day. You need somebody to encourage you. The Bible app's great, but guess what? It's digital. It's, hu- it's not flesh and blood. It's not there to sense emotion. A text message is great, but it's not the same as somebody coming up, putting their arm around you and saying, hey, listen, brother, are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. No, seriously, can I pray for you? There's a big difference in that and a digital, ba-ding. Jesus loves you. Oh, I feel better. No, I don't always feel better when it goes, bling. That didn't really help me a whole lot. But you know what makes a difference? When a brother or sister comes to me and says, hey, can I pray for you today? I feel like the Lord said. There's a big difference in that. Encourage each other day after day. Why? As long as it is still called today. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For watch this. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold fast to the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end, while it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For in the days of his flesh, listen to what he says here. This is, I'm going to skip over to another verse. This is Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. He says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications without crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, human though he was the son of man he's also still the son of god but he says he learned obedience from the things which he suffered the bible does not remove suffering from you as a christian you will go through things in this life and if you don't think the devil is trying to take your faith from you you have been asleep at the wheel for the last year and a half if you're listening to me at home right now just because you're home does not mean that I look at you and think, well, you ought to be here. If you're at home, I am believing that you have a reason to be at home. That's just a fact. Doesn't bother me a bit. If that's where you need to be, you need to do what the Lord leads you to do. I'm not going to judge somebody with that. But I will tell you this. No matter where you are, in-house, at home, on the road, whatever you're doing, he is doing his best right now over time to try to steal people's faith and take from them that which is precious. That's what he's trying to do. People have called it a sifting. People have called it a separation. People have called it a number of things. You can call it whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. I'll tell you that it, he's working overtime to steal your faith. Period. He wants to steal your faith. And so the last thing that Paul says to us is this. In Hebrews 10, 19, this is why I said this. Because don't use this against people who just aren't in the room. Some people medically really have a reason to be at home. Not everybody, I know. I do know that. Believe me, I know. But a lot of people really do need, they have medical reasons. But Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now you see why you need to know some of the Old Testament stuff. This is wild. By a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, talking about Jesus. 
Watch what he says, verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He didn't say you're perfect. He says hold fast to your confession. For he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some. See why I said be careful how you use this. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Your faith is precious. Paul addresses this because you understand it's written to the folks in Italy in the Roman era. You understand what they were dealing with then. You'll understand more about why he would write this. He wants you to understand the preeminence of Christ that before the world was, I am. Before Abraham ever, he was there. and He came down to provide sacrifice for you and I. He's your high priest that went in one time and poured out his blood on the mercy seat of God in the tabernacle of heaven so that you might be redeemed for eternity. And when you know that, then he goes on and he drives this point home and says, do not neglect so great a salvation. It is so precious what we have been given. It doesn't mean you're going to get it right. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to make so many mistakes. That's why he calls us children. Because children make mistakes. Well, guess what? The only difference between a child and us is add a couple of zeros, maybe. I don't know. Add one, add a two, add another digit. I don't know. But adults make mistakes, too. We're all children. Don't let this world steal your faith from you. You Make a decision. Make a decision today. Because they're going to try. They're going to try. So today, as we close up, <clears throat> this last uh, verse of Scripture I'm going to give you before we leave today. And while Paul would say this, I'm going to pray for you. So you might say, well, I just don't believe that, Pastor Jody. I don't think he's after me. I feel strong. Because I felt like, you know, this would be some, somebody who's going to say, well, no, no, not me. He wouldn't steal my faith. Okay, so then this one is for you. Okay. And this is in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. And we'll put this on the screen so you can read it. Very important before I pray for you that you see this. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For some of us in this room, you grew up in Rome, Georgia. And I've said it before, and I don't care if people don't like it. It's a religious community, very religious community. It is a religious community. Every time I say it, like the devils hate that word. It, it's the demon. You want to know what moves around here? You don't have to worry about the boogeyman behind the, the tree. It's a religious spirit, period. So you got to call it out every now and then. But if you grew up here, you may think, oh, I know that. I've heard that. If that goes through your mind, I know that. You better go Hebrews 2 on that thought right now. Oh, no, I've heard that. I've heard that. Oh, Pastor, I've heard that. I've read that. You better go back to Hebrews 2. Because you are drifting and don't even realize it. That's the bad thing about drifting this morning is this. If you have a boat and you're anchored in, it'll hold. But if you don't have a good anchor, 
you got one of these little cheap things that don't, it's not strong enough to hold, you'll drift. And you won't even realize it until you're 30 miles offshore. What, what, what happened? You trusted in something that's too weak. You need a stronger anchor that'll hold. So this morning I want to pray for you. So would you close your eyes, bow your heads just for a moment? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray against religiousness. Lord, in the name of Jesus, a this idea that says, well, I'm good. I'm good. I've heard that before and I don't need it. I pray against this drifting in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ to help us to stay steadfast in our faith. Lord, to stand true on your word. To hold fast our profession of faith and to not waver on the gospel. God, we don't have to be angry Christians, but we can clearly communicate the gospel and not worry about what happens because your word is true. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for this Thanksgiving, might we be thankful for the resurrected Christ. And when we read Hebrews this week, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray you'd help us all understand and remember what a great sacrifice we have been given through Jesus Christ. Let us not waver. Let us not forget to assemble. God, let us not drift in the name of Jesus. If there's anybody listening today, you say, Pastor Jody, I don't even know if I am saved. You're talking about drifting. I'm not sure I'm a born-again believer. But I want to accept Christ. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me in this church. You're watching at home right now. You don't know Jesus, but you need to accept him today. So right now, here's just repeat this prayer with me in this room. The whole church is going to pray with you at home right now. Pray this prayer with me as well. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today. And I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I accept you as my sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me, for cleansing me of all unrighteousness. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so, so proud of him. Right, church? Give me a hand, would you? So proud of you guys at home if you prayed that prayer. If you just let us know by going to connect.cornerstonerealm.com, it's on the screen there for you. We'd love to give you some information about how to begin walking with Christ and uh, some information about maybe how to help you in whatever area you have questions about in your faith. We'd love to help you with that. So connect.cornerstonerealm.com. You can probably also use that. If you want to help deliver some Thanksgiving uh, meals this week, you want to help us with that, you can use that same link and just type something in. Let us know. Give us your phone number. Contact. Don't just say, hey, it's me. It's well, hey me, what's up? Like we, we're not gonna be able to find you. Give us somewhere, you know, Morse code or something. All right. So anyway, so I want you to stand to your feet before we go. Let me just speak this blessing over your life. I just want to encourage you, encourage, encourage you to stay steadfast in your faith. Uh, you know, we're not judging, but listen, let's just be honest, right? As a pastor, it's not about a full house. I don't care about that. Not anymore. Not anymore. I used to be my main objective, make sure we reach as many people as we can. I've come to realize that what's more important is, well, where's the heart at of the people that we're reaching? Is this for a show or is this real? And I I want you to be encouraged. Don't let this culture steal from you that which is so precious and holy. Because it is sacred. Sacred, sacred thing. So let me speak this over you guys before we go, okay? This is out of Numbers chapter 6. We always like to speak this over you guys. This is the blessing of of Aaron that, that... God told Moses to tell Aaron to speak over the church before, I guess maybe before they get to their church services. I don't know. Anyway, 
But may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may give you his peace. God bless you so much. Have a great day. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Man, drive safe, fly safe. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.